0: Well, good morning, everyone. Nice to be with you again and to be able to share once again from God's Word as we pick up that theme that I've been going through on the fruit of the Spirit. Would you turn, please, to Acts chapter 11 and to verses 19 to 26. Acts eleven, nineteen to 26. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the Word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was in Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. We've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit. You'll find the fruit of the Spirit listed by Paul in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, a series of qualities that converge and that make up this spiritual fruit uh, that God is looking for in the lives of His people. The first three of these qualities have to do with uh, our upward relationship with God, love, joy, peace. These are aspects of, of our relationship with God Himself. The next three qualities have to do with our outward relationship to others, patience, kindness, and then our subject for this morning, goodness. And these qualities listed by Paul in Galatians 5 characterize the life of the person who is abiding in Christ, the person who is living in Him, the person who is absorbing God's Word, taking the Word of God into their lives and letting the Word of God actually transform them from the inside out. And the characteristic of the person whose life is anchored in the Almighty, rooted in Him. And when Christians are living and walking closely with Jesus, (laughs) these spiritual qualities will naturally spill over from their lives, and others coming into contact with them will discover that these are people whose lives are not just abounding with these qualities, they are superabounding with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. It all seems strange to the world, but for Christians, we recognize that this is normality. This is how God has created us to be, and this is how He wants us to be, and so that we can be like Him, reflecting His beautiful qualities in the lives that we live. He has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's through the Holy Spirit that this fruit is wonderfully produced within our lives. So, let's think about the fruit of goodness. Amazing as it may seem, some people say, only the well- off can afford to be good and live by all the right rules but i 'm not well off so I can't afford to be good and by that with with that excuse they, they then start to blur the edges of certain uh, principles in life because uh, they, they don't think that they are well enough off to live a good and godly life and it 's not as unusual an attitude as you might think the disciples thought on the same kind of lines. In Matthew 19 and 23, Jesus said, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples were shocked. They were totally astounded by that statement. And their response to Jesus was then, who in the world can be saved, they asked. They had the mistaken view that to be religious and to be godly, (coughs) you had to be well enough off to do lots of charitable good deeds. And they, they thought that uh, it, it, only the rich could really become good the way that God intended people to become good. They could afford to make acts of generosity and acts of piety in, in their giving to God. But if you were just poor and just ordinary, you couldn't afford to do that. But that's often an excuse that people make so that they can live according to their own rules and not God's rules. If I had the money, I would do it. Stories told of a young hairdresser called Eric Leake in the States in New Jersey, and he entered the state lottery with a great principle I want to win the money so I can build a youth center for the young people, he said. And guess what? He won the lottery. And he, in 1977, He won $92,352 a year for the rest of his life. $92,000 a year. Afterwards, he was interviewed, some while after, uh, and this is what he said Oh, it's made a great difference to me. The state check arrives like clockwork every 13 weeks. It's changed me a lot, it's made me more relaxed. I've put on 10 pounds. I've become more educated by travel Europe and Mexico and the Bahamas, and I, I find a lot of leisure time on my hands. I'm taking flight lessons for a f- private pilot's license. But you've guess, guessed it, no mention of the youth center. The good intention evaporated when he got the money. And it just reminds us, of the reality that goodness comes from what you are, not from what you have. Some people try to be good, like the rich young man in Mark 10, 17, came to Jesus, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? They want a life that's marked out by moral and ethical goodness because they believe that's the right way to live. What good thing must I do the man asked Jesus. And for some, living a good life is living according to religious convictions, believing that the good life is a godly life. And then there are those whose goodness goes beyond that, not just religious convictions, but religious legalism. You've got to live it my way before you can become good. You've got to obey my rules before you can experience true goodness. And then there are others who simply do things because they want to cover all the possibilities. They want to be good, and if there is an afterlife, then they want to benefit from living a good life now when the next life comes. And then there are those whose lives are too good to be true. You know, the people you meet in everything seems fine on the surface, but you just think underneath, no, there's something that's just too good to be true. There's something just not quite right there. I can't put my finger on it. I can't identify it. But people are looking to be good. But for some people, goodness is a quality that seems to be dull and boring. Dr. John Gossip who was a Scottish preacher of the early 20th century, said this, it's held by many as the first axiom that holiness is a dull affair, and God's company intolerably dreary, and that for vividness and color and interest, you must look elsewhere. We should never fall into the trap of thinking that goodness somehow is insipid, that being good is bland and boring, that being good takes the zest out of life. Nothing could be further from the truth. There are as many boring sinners as there are boring Christians. But true goodness, true goodness is something (laughs) exceptional different from anything that we've described thus far. The spiritual fruit of goodness is a very practical quality, and it expresses the very nature of God Himself. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, "'Taste and see that the Lord is good.'" God is good. Everything about God is good, and everything God has done and everything God has made is good. Genesis 1:31, God looked over all He had made, and He saw that it was very good. Psalm 119, verses 68 says, you are good and do only good. And then in Psalm 84, verse 11, we're told the Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. Well, it's one thing to understand that the Almighty, transcendent Creator of the universe, the God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is good. It's one thing to understand that He is good. It's another thing to understand how that goodness that is expressed in the very nature and the very being of God can somehow be scaled down to actually enable human beings to be good as He is good. But that's what we see in the life of Jesus. Here's an interesting thing. Jesus didn't allow anyone to to talk of Him as being good. That's quite interesting, I find. The rich young ruler, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. Yes, God is good. But we know that Jesus, God's one and only Son, is also good, even though He didn't want people saying to Him that He was good. God is good. The Son of God is good. Uh, And how then can we be good? Well, the key, I think, is is in Acts 10.38, where Peter describes Jesus as being anointed with the Holy Spirit. If we are filled with the Holy Spirit, only when we are filled with the Holy Spirit? Can we be good as Jesus is good? Can our lives reflect the goodness of the God who has created us? And it's the work of the indwelling Holy Spirit to bring that fruit of goodness into our lives. Now, we say, okay, God is good. Jesus, the Son of God, is good. Well, we would expect that, wouldn't we? <laughs> it's all right for Jesus. He is the Son of God. But what about ordinary mortals like you and me in trying to be good? And the Bible gives us a beautiful example of a good man. And we read about him in our Bible reading, and his name is Barnabas. And if we look into the life of Barnabas, we will see God's goodness that is reflected in the life of Jesus, God's Son, being reflected in the life of a flesh and blood saint who is just like you and me. And when we look into his life, we see that goodness has to do with courtesy. Barnabas was a real Christian gentleman. His his proper name was Joseph, but he was held in such esteem by his fellow Christians, he was nicknamed Barnabas, or the Encourager. He was known for commanding saints rather than criticizing saints. He was known as someone who built up people in their faith and service for God rather than tearing them down and destroying them. He was known as someone who befriended those who were the outcast. He was someone who championed the cause of those who were struggling because of the way other people were reacting towards them. When the Jerusalem church heard how God had moved, amazingly, in Antioch to bring a great number of people to faith, they sent Barnabas to minister to them. He was exactly the kind of person they needed so that these new believers could be strengthened and encouraged in their faith. Acts 11.23 says, when he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. He was an encourager, he was a courteous man who reached out to anyone who needed a friend, to anyone who needed encouragement. Acts 9.26 tells us how Barnabas came alongside Saul on his return from Damascus after his conversion. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer, then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul, a courteous and courageous Christian who reached out to someone who was on the receiving end of other people's anger and doubt and skepticism. No wonder Scripture says of him, Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. Some years later, when Barnabas wanted to include John Mark in their second missionary journey, Paul fell out with him because he wasn't willing to forgive John Mark, who bailed out in the first missionary journey. And Acts 15, 39 says their disagreement was so sharp they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. So, he went out to continue working and serving the Lord in Cyprus, but he took John Mark with him to mentor him up. Barnabas was ever the encourager, the one whose heart was big enough and loving enough to lift up those who had fallen or were in need, and to take them under his wing. And he shows us how the spirit of goodness is inextricably linked to Christian courtesy and compassion for others. The good Christian encourages and affirms and builds up his fellow believers. Now, could that be said of you and me this morning? Are we good men and good women seeking to serve the Lord Jesus. Are we those who build up or are we those that tear down? Are we those who commend or are we those who criticize? Goodness, fruit of the Spirit, has to do with courtesy, Secondly, it has to do with integrity. The fact that Barnabas was a man with a known reputation tells us he was a man of integrity, a man whose life and testimony had come under the scrutiny of others and won their approval, a man with a strong sense of what is right, and who endeavored to live a righteous life before God and man, even standing up to Paul even to the point of parting company with him, because he believed it was right, it was the right thing to do to forgive John Mark and to mentor him and to help him to grow into the young man God intended him to be. So, he was a man who had integrity, a strong sense of what is right, and who endeavor to live a righteous life. Now, the Apostle Paul himself says in 1 Timothy 3.7 that people outside the church must speak well of a Christian leader. They need to be recognized for their integrity. And Barnabas was a man who had integrity. People looked at his life and recognized the goodness of the man. Daniel was someone else who had integrity. And Daniel 1.8 says he was determined not to defile himself by eating food offered by the Babylonians, which the law prohibited. How many of us like Daniel, even like Barnabas, have determined not to defile ourselves by doing things that displease God or break His rules for holy living. When King Darius raised Daniel up to a position of great authority in the kingdom because of his exceptional qualities, Daniel 6 and 4 says that the jealous administrators and high officials began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. His life bore the stamp, the impression of integrity, a good man full of goodness. Well, what about you and me? We think of Barnabas, we think of Daniel. What about you and me? Are we full of the spirit of goodness in our lives? Do our lives bear the imprint of integrity? Are we faithful? Are we always responsible? Are we completely trustworthy? That's the imprint of Of integrity. Goodness, that is the fruit of the Spirit, is inextricably linked with personal integrity in life and work, with being someone who is motivated by the desire to live a godly life. Can that be said about us? Goodness has to do with courtesy and integrity, but it also has to do with generosity. Now, Barnabas, it says, described as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because people saw in him the spirit of generosity. He was a generous giver. He poured out himself for the sake of others. I mean, we see that in what he did with with Paul. He He went and looked for Paul to bring to bring him to Antioch, to work alongside him, and he mentored young Saul, who became the apostle Paul, so that he could pour his life generously into Saul's life. And what he did for Saul, he did for John Mark as well. But more than that, the New Testament tells us, the writer of Acts, Luke, tells us this. Acts 4.32, All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. There were no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, says Luke, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. There was a need within the church amongst the community of the faithful, and Barnabas recognized he could do something to help the church meet the needs of God's people, and so he realized some of his investment, as it were, and he brought the money and he gave it to the church to be used To meet the needs of brothers and sisters in Christ, Barnabas was not on the lookout for personal recognition and acclaim. He would not necessarily have wanted the story of his giving to have been written in this letter that Luke wrote that not only went across the New Testament world, but also has come down to us today so that we know about it. He wouldn't have wanted that, I'm pretty well sure of that. But Luke uses his, for instance, there was Joseph named Barnabas, what he did, to contrast with Ananias and Sapphira, who we read of immediately after that, who did something similar, who sold uh, what they had and gave it to the church. But the difference was they were looking for a claim. They were looking for someone to say, what a wonderful thing they've done. Look at these wonderful Christians. Aren't they brilliant? They kept some of the money back from themse- for themselves, but they brought and they said what they gave was all that they had got. So they were deceiving God's people. <laughs> they weren't deceiving God. And they didn't deceive the apostles either. Peter said, Why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the Spirit of the Lord like this? Their hearts were filled by Satan, by evil selfish motives. They were wanting acclaim. They were wanting to be put in a pedestal, not Barnabas. What he did was done for others. He was a good man. He wasn't looking for glory for himself. He was looking for God to bless others through the gift. And Barnabas shows us that goodness is linked to a spirit of generosity, not in what we give, but in how we give and why we give. When we give in the same way that God Himself gives, then we reflect his goodness. Barnabas gave in God's way, and that showed the goodness of Barnabas' heart. Well, when we do things in and around the church, for brothers and sisters that we know, what spirit are we doing these things? Is it so that we ourselves might be applauded? Or is it so that God might be given the glory? We don't want anybody necessarily to know anything about it. That's why Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Goodness has to do with the, spirit of generosity. And finally, goodness has to do with humility. Barnabas was a good man because he was humble. In serving the Lord, his only concern was the advance of the kingdom, not his own advancement, not his own acclaim. When he arrived in Antioch and saw the work that had to be done Acts 11.25 says, he went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch, and both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. And as the years went by, what started out as Barnabas and Saul became Paul and Barnabas. There was a switch around. Saul, who had been the lesser, in the partnership, became the greater. And Barnabas, who had become the greater, was happy to become the lesser. A lesser man than Barnabas might have taken offense at this, but Barnabas was so filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of goodness, that he was simply glad to be able to serve the Lord for His glory in any way God thought was appropriate. Now, at our Baptist Union Assembly a number of years ago, one of our guests was Dr. Nikolai Georgica from Romania. Dr. Nick, as we knew him, had been the senior pastor at Second Baptist Church Oradia for many, many years. But when one of the co-pastors he had taught and worked with grew in his spiritual stature and influence, Dr. Nick stepped aside to allow this young man to become the senior. That's a kind of humility that only a good man can show. Is our Christian service characterized by a humility that rejoices when God blesses us and uses others in ways that we ourselves are not used? Barnabas, a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, is willing to decrease so that God might increase others, but so that the work of the gospel Might grow and increase. He's not jealous. He's not conscious of his position in the pecking order. He's just happy and amazed that God is willing to use him in any way at all in his work. Goodness has something to do with that wonderful quality we call humility. We'll put the whole picture together we've been looking at Barnabas. (laughs) All this out of one tiny little bit of a verse, Barnabas was a good man. (laughs) But he shows us what goodness, the spiritual fruit of goodness, is like in flesh and blood terms, in terms that you and I can relate to as ordinary people. The fruit of the Spirit that we call goodness has to do with courtesy in the way that we live and deal with others. It has to do with integrity in the way that we live out the truths that we believe so that we might reflect standards that God Himself has revealed in Christ has to do with generosity as we pour out all that we are and what we have before the Lord and His people, so that that can be used to bless and meet the needs of others. And goodness has to do with humility, about counting others more important than ourselves. That's what Paul himself has <laughs> said you know, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of others as better than you. Goodness. Barnabas was a good man. May God by His Spirit help us in our day to become good men and women who reflect the goodness of God Himself.